Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard Warm it up, Chris. It's episode number 56 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man, the world's most unpredictable Eric Roberts related podcast. I'm Doug Tilly and joining me as per usual is my lovely and talented co-host Liam O'Donnell. How are things, Liam? Pretty good, Doug. How are they with you? Liam, today there was a solar eclipse. The moon blocked out the sun. It did. Um, well, where I was, it was a partial blockage, but it was still pretty impressive. Uh, yes, and where I was is, is exactly the same thing. But be that as it may, do you recognize the sun being blotted out by the moon as some sort of sign, perhaps? Some sort of sign of something happening in the world? Um, no, not particularly. I mean, it's going to it's going to happen again in like seven years. So I don't it's not even that cool, I guess. Liam, what will the world look like in seven years? Whew. Well, I mean, I hope we'll still be here. Uh, we probably still won't have flying cars. Right. Uh, I assume within seven years, we'll all be roaming a post-apocalyptic wasteland having made an alliance with the Juggaloos to fight off the white supremacists everywhere. I see. Now, Liam, you're being slightly, you're, you're exaggerating things. You're being kind of funny with your response. But where do you think you'll be in seven years? Um, I don't know, actually. I, I, I assume I'll be um, with my wife and daughter. But other than that, I have no, no clue. I have a question for you, Liam. Yeah. Do you think within the next seven years that you and I... We'll have an opportunity to talk to Eric Roberts. I mean, that would be pretty cool. Uh, but mm. I, I mean, I, I assume that will never actually happen. Now, listeners of the show, especially uh, those who've listened to the most recent episode, might recall that we put together, or what I should be, I'll be more accurate and, and more complimentary and say Liam put together a uh, collection of t-shirts, shirts of various colors and sizes uh, with the logo of the Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man podcast on them for the purpose of us selling them, which uh, they'll be on the website very, very soon. And I believe up until the point of our most recent episode, Liam, we mentioned that we had been contacted or or at the very least we had been tweeted at by Eric Roberts. Is that correct? That's true. And then I reached out to Eric Roberts in regards to him uh, getting uh, a few of these shirts and uh, and he did reply via Twitter. Isn't that exciting? It is pretty great. Yeah, I remember you were a little concerned that I wasn't excited enough, but I, I feel like I'm pretty pretty excited. About I mean, it's as close as we've ever been to the man himself. That's true. I've I had mean, direct one-on-one -on -one contact. Look, it's via social media. I get it. I get that it's not the same as me putting my hand on his shoulder and saying, hey, Eric, booby. <laughs> How you doing, bro? No, it's not like that, but still very exciting. Yes, very exciting. Yeah, and I'm glad that you feel excited about it too, Liam, because it brings us one step closer to a goal that I never even really realized I had. I mean, I figured at one point, at some point, this show was going to lead us into the warm and open arms of Eric Roberts, 
but uh, I felt like it might take three, four hundred episodes. Here we are in episode fifty-six, and it feels like he's 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 still far off in the horizon, but still, I feel like we're moving in that direction. I feel like we're getting closer every day. Did you send him a shirt yet? I did not send him a shirt yet. Still waiting to hear. Well, what... then, I, then we're still not that close. When he when we have a photo of Eric Roberts wearing an Eric Roberts is the fucking man T-shirt. Will that will then will that satiate you, Liam? Will you say we are close? We are within the grasp of the man himself. I feel like we'll have made it at that point. That's that's good. Now, Liam, say something. Say something. Shut the fuck up, Liam. <laughs> we have a returning guest here today, uh, which is a very rare thing on Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Not because they don't want to come back. No, I mean some of them don't. <laughs> the truth is, some of them just don't want to come back. But there are a few beloved. Eric Roberts is the fucking man guests who have constantly been bothering me. They're like, let it me back on. And I say, no, we very rarely have returning guests. And then one reached out. And you know what I said, Liam? You said, no, screw you. I said, actually, yes. You might know him. Yeah. Okay. No, you got to stop talking. (laughs) You know him and love him from the critically acclaimed podcast, The Splat House. It's our returning guest, Mike Delaney. How you doing, Mike? Dingaleo, thank you for reading the copy just as I wrote it. I'm doing good. <laughs> now, Mike is uh, is one of my favorite guests from the Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man podcast because he's so enthusiastic about the man. Now, does that extend, Mike, to my enthusiasm about our possibility of, of getting closer to him, to being embraced by him? How do you feel about that? I'm super fucking excited for you. Um, early on in Splathouse, uh, a few of the films that we wanted to do featured Ethan Embry. Mm. Uh, so through social media, such as you did, Mr. Tilly, I reached out to Ethan Embry and he gave me, I shit you not, his personal email. And then from there, I got to personally email Ethan Embry and then I got his, his cell phone number and then I got to text him and then he started coming on the show. He came on my show two times. And then through this friendship that we created through my podcast, Jim Rock got to go eat dinner with Ethan Embry and go see T2 train spotting. So I think your wildest dreams can 100% come true with Eric Roberts. It's already taken us to very interesting places. I mean, that story that you just told about the great Ethan Embry, it sort of reflects our experience with the wonderful Jack Perez, the director of uh, Some Guy Who Kills People, and of course, La Cucaracha with Eric Roberts, who had uh, heard our episode about La Cucaracha, reached out to us. We reached out. He gave me his personal phone number. I've been texting back and forth with him. He came on the show, answered all of my dumb questions, was incredibly gracious, and had lots of great anecdotes. And here we are. I feel like we've developed a friendship. And you know, I say that about Jack Perez, who's a, of course, a fancy pants Hollywood bigwig. Sorry, Jack. (laughs) But the same could be said about my relationship with you, Mike. I would not have found you if not for social media. You are someone I have a lot of respect for. And honestly, since your appearance on our most most recent episode with you, uh, I feel like our, our relationship has just grown and grown. I think so. I'm a, I'm a, what we're going to do here is we're going to, um, massage each other's backs a little bit because I'm a a big fan of your sharp wit and your bleeding heart and everything you stand for as a human being on this beautiful planet earth. And God damn it. I'm, I'm, Look, I had to watch, uh, what was it, Amityville Death House and two episodes (laughs) of CSI. And then now I had to watch this piece of shit like Dinesh D'Souza's uh, American Pie or whatever the fuck it was. Like I am, (laughs) I'm, I'm in love with you enough to do some bullshit. So thank you. 
Mike and I have a uh, a mutual love and respect, and it just grows and grows every time that we come in contact with an, uh, with each other. Though I do have to take uh, a, uh, not a fence, but I'm gonna take uh, take back some of what you said. You called me a bleeding heart, Mike. Now everyone yeah. knows that mm-hmm. Liam is uh-huh. the bleeding heart half of this show. I. I'm the right-wing conservative. I'm very straight-laced. I'm very raw-raw America. Everyone knows it. If anything, we, we're a good counterpoint. Don't you think, Liam? I mean, I do have to tell you to stop saying all those weird things about swarthy people and uh-huh. to stop, like, loading and cleaning your gun while we're recording. Uh-huh. And just, I mean, you have this whole thing about the Prussians, which I don't mm-hmm. even know what that means anymore. Oh, yeah. Have you ever heard Prussian Blue, by the way? Great band. Young girls, they're going to go far. Um hopefully you don't you, know what i'm talking about you there. like young girls that go far yeah i like this is the kind of humor you can expect on both eric roberts is the fucking man as well as one of the features we're going to be talking about today <laughs> but before that we of course need to dive into the latest eric roberts news on the roberts report It's the Roberts Report for episode number 56 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. And as per usual, we're going to start with a deep dive on the Twitter feed of the man himself. You can follow Eric Roberts, and you should, at Eric Roberts on Twitter. Uh, On the 18th, he tweeted, and this is a very sweet tweet, and we want to make sure that we mention it right off the top. He tweeted, as of today, at Mom Eliza Roberts and I have been married for 25 years. Eric and Eliza Roberts together for 25 years. We want to give a huge, uh, uh, what's the word for this? I want to give a huge uh, congratulations to the happy couple for 25 wonderful years. I hope it's been wonderful. Uh, Liam, do you think you and your wife will be married for 25 years? Oh, yeah, definitely. Liam, what is the anniversary for 25? Is there a, is there a, a stone or, or a medal of some sort that uh, would uh, refer to 25 years? I actually have no idea. Liam, what does your uh, wedding ring look like? I have a wood wedding ring mm-hmm. because I was worried about losing my ring. So I got something that I liked aesthetically, but if I lost it, it wouldn't be a huge financial loss. I, you know what? That's very pragmatic. Not the most romantic thing I've ever heard. <laughs> well, uh, just to show that I was right, I am actually on my third one, oh, and, I cur- right. and I currently don't know where it is. Do you take off your wedding ring when you bathe, Liam? Sometimes, yes. You know, I was once going through airport security, which is not a very pleasant thing. I don't think anyone particularly enjoys it. And I, uh, at the time, I was feeling very, uh, I had a lot of anxiety about going through the metal detector. And I was taking off, you know, taking all the coins out of my pockets and taking my watch off and take, you know, putting all the stuff in the thing to go through the x-ray machine. And one of the things I took off just being stupid was my wedding band which in my case it's it's made of gold which so of course it wouldn't have, have set it off and the security uh, person uh she gave me a look and then said do not ever take your wedding band off what would your wife say if she saw you doing this and uh i felt so shamed that i've never taken it off since what do you think about that liam that seems kind of crazy it seems like the tsa has a <laughs> strong control over how i live my life well and yeah i mean- <sighs> Yeah, that comes from somewhere with, with her in particular. I mean, yeah, doesn't it? It, get... it felt like yeah, it felt like it was coming from a personal place uh, that 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 she had reason to say that to me. Maybe she thinks you take it off all the time, you know, for hitting on the ladies. 
Yeah, that's what I do. I just move it into my pocket when I'm out drinking at the bar, my usual place. Uh, and you, then, yeah. You know I have a, a insulin pump, right? Have I talk, told you about that? I have an insulin pump. Okay. Like, you know, because of uh, <laughs> type 1 diabetes. Yes, and no, so I, I do. I am aware of your diabetes because you yeah. you just got to bring it up every episode. Oh, my God. <laughs> the point <laughs> is, is that when I first got the pump, every TSA officer would tell me something like i one person was like oh you got to take it off when you go through the thing the next person was like no never take it off and then this was like on the same flight like each airport i was getting different reports as to what i should do with this thing and it's only like maybe four years ago that i finally they were like okay this is officially what you do with the pump so uh, I feel like the next time you go through an airline, you might meet someone – you might interact with a TSA person who's like, why didn't you take your ring off? And then I'll have to say, I can't take it off. And then I'll get in a big fight, right? And that will be an interesting story that we'll all read about in the newspaper. On August 13th, Eric Roberts tweeted, my stepdaughter just cracked me up saying, if you gave every person who's good looking but can't act an acting job, there'd be no waiters. And now that that's part one of a two-part tweet. The other part is, I was a terrible waiter. This is Eric Roberts speaking. And on many occasions, not a great actor either. We all must keep up the good work and make sure we know what's good. Wise words from one Mr. Eric Roberts, but he did say on many occasions, not a great actor either. Now that was an interesting thing to hear. Mike, do you think Eric Roberts is a great actor? <laughs> Uh, he has been nominated for an Academy Award. Just answer um, the question, Mike. <laughs> he has he has appeared in how many movies has he been in now? Like four hundred. That know. seems like a question I should know the answer to. <laughs> uh, it, many. I mean, great is so subjective, right? Yes. Unless unless we're talking about just magnitude, like the biggest actor. No, he's not the biggest. He's not the greatest. So, no. So I'll, I'm I'm going to say no. He's not a great actor. And you know what? What he's saying here, he's not saying I am not a great actor or I have never been great. He's ba he's basically saying that in in certain circumstances, he has given performances that he does not consider great. And Liam, I feel like, and you can correct me if you feel differently, that this kind of gives us more freedom in regards to when we ask the question, the very title of this uh, podcast, whether Eric Roberts is the fucking man in one of the projects that we're covering if we say no, there's no need to feel shame about it. Because even Eric Roberts himself, the man himself, sometimes feels like he doesn't give a great performance. I mean, I've never seen one of those performances. Everything I see him do is great. You're the one who's always <laughs> talking about how shitty he is. Very mean thing to say. Especially, <laughs> especially considering now that I've come so close. <laughs> that I was so close to the man. and which is, Which is, by the way... That I'm so happy that we're only picking great projects to talk about these days. <laughs> so we never have to criticize him at all. Certainly not on this episode. Look, I'm just joking around. Sometimes we can be critical. Sometimes uh, we, we see him be great in, in lesser projects. Uh, but uh, it's just what makes this wacky, wonderful world go round. Don't you think, Liam? 100%. On August 13th, Eric Roberts wrote on Twitter, Bed can be such a place of peace. And in this case, the word B is represented by the letter B. <laughs> and uh, he, he attached to this a photograph of a bed, uh, probably his own, with two cats laying on it. Three. Three cats? Am I missing a cat? Where's the third one, Liam? Oh, there it is. It's not a pillow at all. It is a white cat. What's that cat's <laughs> name again, Liam? 
Oh, from the episode. I don't yep. remember. Well, okay, so the one in the middle, is that Brook- Brooklyn is one of them? And one of them is Stevie, and one of them is Wonder, isn't it? Yeah, that those are their three names, but I don't remember which is which. <laughs> I, that is a cat, Stevie Wonder. It, it's weird because he has a cat that's blind, but Stevie and Wonder <laughs> are not blind. <laughs> the other one is blind. We know this from from a very interesting episode of My Cat from Hell, where they did not mention that Eric Roberts, who was on the show, was Eric Roberts, the famous actor. They just had him on as just some guy named Eric. It was fucking bizarre. <laughs> Anyway, a very topical tweet made on August 8th. Uh, this was one was very popular. Eric Roberts tweeted, bullies are not leaders. Now, I feel like that's targeted at certain political leaders. Mike, when you, when you read that from Eric Roberts, do you feel like it's targeted at anyone in particular? I think it's 100% targeted. Sure. Well, I guess you have to tell us, targeted at who? Well, Donald J. Trump. The president of the United States, I think, you know, I think he's taking a shot at the man himself. Like it's a it's a brave thing to do on social media these days. I think you got to take a stand right now. Of course, there are many sides, many, many sides. <laughs> Everyone knows it. <laughs> but uh, but in, in the case of uh, the political situation, uh, it's nice to see a celebrity Stand up and not be James Woods about the whole thing. Uh, when we uh, just to pull back the curtains a little bit, we we had a an abbreviated recording a few days back. We just ran into some technical issues, but it gave Liam and I an opportunity to have a nice chat. And one of the things that we talked about is the fact that uh, how difficult this show would be if Eric Roberts. Look, we don't expect that uh, that Eric's uh, political leanings uh, should really influence how we feel about him. But if he was like strongly. Uh, in the opposite realm from where Liam and I were, it might be very difficult to talk about him in the kind of intimate way that we do. It might actually be a little uncomfortable. Liam, would you agree with what I just said? Yeah, I mean, it's why I wasn't going to do my, uh, or why I ended up scrapping my plans for my Rob Schneider uh, podcast. uh, (laughs) That's why I never created that Robert Davey is the fucking man podcast, as I so wanted to. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. There aren't. There are literally not that many. There are a few, but there aren't that many actors like Eric Roberts where you could start a podcast and just figure. I guess we'll just do this forever. You know, like <laughs> a lot of actors, you would actually run out of material at some point. Um, but even then, it also helps that. Um, I mean, granted, we don't know him personally, but just from his social media and uh, watching things that he does, sort of that aren't acting, he also seems like a really great guy, and that makes it more. I don't know, encouraging to do this. If if we were covering the work of an actor and then they were regularly, I don't know, tweeting horrible things a la James Woods, then that might be an issue. Jeez, Liam, get off Eric Roberts' balls, will you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I... counterbalance for when we talk about the movie today. <laughs> yeah. um, Mike, uh, do you sometimes have difficulty... Uh, separating the political views of performers with uh, with their talent uh, in front of the camera. Oh yeah, no, absolutely, I do. Uh, James Woods is, <laughs> you know, you brought him up a couple times, but he's of course someone that uh, I, I remember as a younger person uh, back in the '90s. I loved James Woods, man. Yeah. Like I thought that guy was uh, so charismatic, and he was like a smartass, and he was he was just like that. I love James Woods. I loved him. And then now I can't fucking stand him. And I, and I think about these things that James would like the people that he's worked with over the years. Um, 
most most recently, it's a fucking fifteen year old show, but Shark, right? That right, show Shark right. That, that ran for a while. Spike Lee fucking like started that show, and I'm like, how the like how did that meeting even go? With how about all those James like he was Woods? in multiple Oliver Stone movies? I know what the fuck is that? But no, he, the guy's a piece of shit, and I can't, I can't. No, John Voight's the same way to me. John John Voight came to town and. He came into my little town, and he went to the little Republican uh, – what do you call it? The Republican headquarters, which is really mm-hmm. just like a shitty little shack next door to Walt's TV repair. And he uh, he talked there for a while, and everyone fucking loved him because he's John Voight. But the guy's actually a piece of shit. But Midnight Cowboy is still the shit, so I don't know. There's, al- there's also a little movie called Runaway Train that I need to uh, <laughs> promote at this point on the show. Oh, really? He was in well, a movie called Runaway Train? Runaway with Train. Who? With who? With, with one Mr. Eric Roberts. And of course, sharing a name with one of Liam's favorite songs. Isn't that right, Liam? Runaway Train, never going back. I feel like I've asked you to sing in the past and you refused. And now when I most wanted you to not sing, you just start You just start singing like a goddamn bird. Long-time listeners of the show. <laughs> Might remember that a while back, uh, Eric Roberts on his Twitter feed mentioned having worked with Robert Pattinson in the film Good Time, uh, which recently got some really actually very, very positive reviews from the Fantasia Film Festival. However, uh, certain people on Twitter and and elsewhere were confused because when the movie actually uh, showed, Eric Roberts was not in it. And we were all a little bit confused. I mean, he even uh, tweeted directly about how respectful and, and nice Robert Pattinson was on the set. That has now been revealed in, uh, in interviews with the directors of the film, um, this is from the dailyherald.com. They do a question and answer with the directors, and they said, I understand you originally had Eric Roberts in the cast. What happened to him? And this is Josh, one of the directors. In the Bale Bondsman scene, we originally shot that scene with Eric Roberts, the actor. I like how they call him that, too. <laughs> he played the Bale Bondsman. We shot it in a real Bale Bondsman office. The artifice of having an actor who you know is not a real Bale Bondsman was really pulling it down. So we recast it with the actual Bale Bondsman. His wife is his partner sitting at the desk dealing with Jennifer Jason Lee. We inundated the scene with so much nuance in the relationships. All of that nuance is just masking a piece of exposition. So that's the most I've ever said Bale Bondsman in a short amount of time. But that's the reason that you will not find, unfortunately... The uh, Robert Pattinson, Eric Roberts team up that we so desired. Uh, Liam, I have a uh, uh, a link here to the trailer for a movie called uh, The Terror of Hallow's Eve that we uh, recently discussed on the show. Did you watch this trailer? Oh, no, no, no. Okay. Well, I did. I don't, I don't click any of the links that you give me. Well, that's depressing to hear, actually. <laughs> God only knows it's on the other end. Well, uh, you may recall that this is a, a film that's going to be premiering, I believe, at the uh, London Fright something or other <laughs> coming up. Boy, I didn't do a lot of research on this one. Uh, but uh, it actually had a, uh, an interesting pedigree because I believe this is the one that has John Carpenter doing some music for it, Liam. Ooh. And I watched the trailer. The trailer isn't really a trailer. It's sort of like a collection of scenes uh, that, that uh, do briefly – uh, show Eric Roberts. It's sort of about this kid who is into monster makeup and he gets bullied at school and I guess then he decides to kill a bunch of people. I don't know. But uh, everyone should keep their eyes out for uh, All Hallows Eve coming soon to perhaps a theater near you. But at the very least, I'm sure you'll be able to find it 
on VOD. Recently added to the ever-expanding Eric Roberts IMDb page, and I know I'm taking both of you by surprise right now, is 2018's Shootouts, which is a television movie, Liam. What do you think about that? Eric Roberts in a television movie. Like on a network television movie? Uh, I'm actually not 100% sure. It's just it's just listed on the IMDb as TV, and it is a TV movie. But I'll tell you what. I'm glad that you asked me that, Liam, because this will excite both, I'm sure, yourself and uh, and Michael, who, are, who is, of course, the guest on this episode. Recently, we've talked about how there is likely to be a Stocked by My Doctor 3. And my understanding <laughs> from some recent... From some recent Twitter activity from one Mr. Eric Roberts is that Stocked by My Doctor 3 might be being made right at this very moment that we're talking. <laughs> He's hinted very strongly. Mike, have you seen Stocked by My Doctor 1 or 2? No, but I need to. I don't want to be left out. You do not because I don't think you'll be able to understand what's going on in Part 3 without all of the background that is laid out in Stocked by My Doctor 1 and 2. <laughs> I would say, actually, that's very, very likely. It would be hard to understand what the hell is going on. Yeah. At the very least, one must see Stocked by My Doctor 1. Uh, it aired on the Lifetime Network once again just a few nights ago. And I know this because whenever it airs, I get like all of these tweets, A, telling me that it's airing, <laughs> and uh, and B, uh, just like various tweets of people's responses to it. And everyone just seems to be over the moon for the first Stocked by My Doctor. So if you, the listener, have yet to check out Stocked by My Doctor, uh, keep your eyes on the Lifetime Network or, I don't know, steal it or something. I don't care. <laughs> you got you to get caught up before Stocked by My Doctor 3 comes out. But we're talking about Shootouts, which is directed by Jack Andrew Cook. And, uh, yeah, I really do not know anything about it. It was filming as recently as the 4th of August. Uh, looking at the cast list here, I recognize zero names, except that there is a person in it an actor named Bug, and he's playing a character named Bug, and there's also a gentleman named King Chip, and he's playing a character <laughs> named King Chip. And I don't know, if, it sounds like maybe they're uh, they're uh, rappers of some sort. Liam, do you recognize these names, uh, King Chip and Bug? No idea. All right, I know I know you're into that uh, that scene. Uh, so uh, uh, and actually, just looking at some of their profiles here, they do appear to be musicians of some sort. So uh, we'll be looking out for Bug and King Chip in 2017's Shootouts. Let me pull up the poster here, see if it gives us any more information. It uh, it absolutely does not. Uh, it f- The fucking poster. Let me describe the poster before we move on. <laughs> <laughs> this poster uh, shows a car's headlights. Then right above the car is a massive explosion. And coming out of this explosion uh, is is money. There's lots of Benjamins, as they call them. But mixed within the Benjamins is a uh, a large plastic cup full of purple drink, and it's it's flinging itself right at the screen. And below it, it says the word "shootouts," directed by Jack Andrew Cook. And immediately below that, there are two red roses with a uh, a bullet hole in the midst of them. So, I mean, I'll tell you what: I was a little skeptical when I first started talking about 2017 shootouts. Now. This is a movie I must see. I suspect that the purple drank might be the lead character. What do you think about that, Liam? That sounds kind of interesting. Do you think it's animated? Could be. Or Could is it be a puppet? Animated. Could be a puppet. Liam, will you be checking out 2018's Shootouts? Well, I don't have much of a choice, do I? Why is that? Because of our blood oath. Michael, <clears throat> you chose. You have chosen 
the projects we're going to be discussing on this episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. I'm sure you scoped them out ahead of time to make sure they were as high a quality as possible. So what are we going to be watching today? <laughs> uh, I'm, a, I'm a teacher by trade, by profession. Mm-hmm. Uh, and today, uh, also the day of the eclipse, it was the first day of school here at the Oakland Unified School District. Um, so I chose a film called After School Special. Because uh, I knew I would be recording after school, after the first day of class. Um, and that's as much research as I did beyond looking at the, the, the poster. And I saw some titties and it said uh, Cape and Cross. And then it had, some, it had some kids like smoking weed. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, it's like a little bit of like an, uh, an American Pie Animal House type thing. It'll be fine. It, it, yeah. It's Cape and Cross and it has... Ron Jeremy and probably some glorified cameo and Eric Roberts and it, it whatever. It looked cute. Um, now, now, before you tell us the other I, thing, other thing, uh, who is this Caden Cross you keep referring to? I don't know, man. <laughs> Fuck. She was in, she was in fucking Samurai Cop 2. Mm-hmm. And then I think maybe she does like softcore porn. All I know her from is Samurai Cop 2. Well, uh, let me, let me, let me just stop you again. Thing. Let me just mm-hmm. stop you again for a moment. Just looking yeah. through her IMDb profile. Sure. Uh, let's see. There's a, there's a video here called Screwing Wall Streets. So that sounds interesting. Uh, met, it's probably yeah. not fucking. Yeah, met, fucking. This one from 2015, a recent uh, project, is Manuel Cream Pies Their Asses 3. So that yeah, sounds interesting. Ejaculating in, in buttholes. Liam, this one will interest you. This one from 2013 is called Don't Fuck My Sister. Wait a minute. Are we discussing pornography right now? I, I Look, that's... The that's nudie unco- pictures? That's unconfirmed at this time, but this movie is 2011. entertainment? This, this 2011 movie is called Not Airplane Triple X Cockpit Cuties. Okay, now, all right, we're, we're not even rationally naming these things anymore. Well, that's not English. What is that supposed to mean? Well, it's not Airplane, so do not mistake it for the classic comedy film Airplane. This is about cockpit cuties. Co- oh, cockpit. Yeah, yeah like, <laughs> like some dude's cock. <laughs> Whatever happened to, like, a classic thing like big butts or naughty nuns or... I don't know. I well, just made those up. I don't well, know there's a name. there's a there's a long list here. But anyway, I'm glad that Mike is so familiar with her work. Uh, Mike, uh, what's the other project we're going to be watching today? Yeah. Uh, so the last time I was on the show, we did two episodes of uh, the CSI Las Vegas, and it it came to my attention during a short amount of research that Eric Roberts uh, previously was on CSI Miami, the uh, the David Caruso spinoff. So we looked at uh, an episode of CSI Miami from 2004, I think. I believe it was 2005, May 16th, 2005, and it's called What? <laughs> yeah, that's what it's you, called. Yeah, and it features Eric Roberts as an axe murderer. It's very exciting. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> CSI Miami and After School Special. We're going to be talking about it. We're going to start with CSI Miami after our first break, which is going to happen right now. We'll be back in just a moment.
stay of execution sends the lab scrambling to re-examine evidence in order to keep the killer on death row. But he has his own plans. It's season three, episode number 23 of CSI Miami, originally airing on May 16th, 2005. Uh, this is a uh, actually a pretty, I would say, unique episode. I have not watched much CSI Miami. I have some familiarity with uh, episodes of the original CSI series outside of episodes that feature Eric Roberts in some capacity. But uh, for those who don't know much about it, yes, this is the one that David Crusoe puts his sunglasses on and then Roger Daltrey goes, yeah, at the very beginning after he says some sort of pun. So it's that episode of, sorry, it's that show uh and it does take place in miami and it does feature people who do crime scene analysis in very unrealistic ways and in this particular episode it features eric roberts as a uh axe murderer who's been in jail waiting to be executed for an extended period of time so there he does not escape throughout the episode but some murders are occurring that are reminiscent in some ways or connected to the murders that he did before but the kind of central uh, plot that's going on is that there's some question regarding the DNA evidence that originally convicted him. So while they are doing, uh, they're kind of uh, running the DNA through, I guess, a different group of crime scene uh, crime scene analysts. Our original crime scene group, the, the the stars of this show, they have to try to come up with other evidence against uh, against him. Uh, and as they do that, they they find that there might be another killer on the loose. It's CSI Miami, Liam. Tell me about this episode called What? What did you think of it? I was I am pretty unfamiliar with this sort of series. Um, and by this series, I don't just mean CSI Miami, but CSI in general is like a pretty much unknown thing to me. And um, <clears throat> I didn't realize how painfully bad it was. Um, the 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 it's hard to know where to begin. I'm I mean, obviously the first. And foremost thing is David Caruso, and uh, every time he is on screen, it is an exercise in in pain and suffering. <laughs> um, but even leaving him aside, I don't understand the editing on this show. I don't understand the the entire conceit that like we're going to go back to these old case files, and of course we're going to discover some new thing, and it's going to be like a live mystery. And then the uh, the editing technique of like, we're going to keep showing you this this short shots of, of an action that we won't explain to the end, and then it'll be really deep because of you know the meaning it has as sort of a, a tying together of the, the whole show. Uh, all of that was very painful let alone the and this is the style of all these shows the establishing shots of miami mm-hmm. as if you might have possibly forgotten you were in miami it's like every cutaway it's like miami 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 <laughs> it kind of it kind of reminds me of a uh, uh i don't know if you ever watched um i don't know if you ever a big house person or if either one of you ever watched much house the tv show house you're referring to yeah man? yeah no i i i've not watched that show you know, there's a. It's set in this hospital in Princeton, New Jersey, that doesn't exist. There is a. Wait, hospital. wait, 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 wait! It's not set in a house. What is? What is it called that? <laughs> That's the name of the guy. His name is House. Uh, wait, he's a person and a house. This sounds ludicrous to me. The point is, is that they use this establishing shot, which I probably wouldn't have noticed, except for it's actually the dining hall at Princeton University. That's the oh. establishing shot of the hospital. So every time I see it, it would just seem ridiculous to me, which is why oh, I noticed Oh, Liam, Mr. Fancy Pants can recognize Princeton's dining hall. Did you go to Bloody. Princeton? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. 
It was just weird. I, no, I mean, I, I didn't go to the university. I went to the seminar. <laughs> what? <laughs> you went to what? the deli? Where did you go? Yeah, you went to the deli, which is... No, the I mean, seminary. A, oh. <laughs> and what did you do there, Liam? I'm just curious. You know what I did. You know what? This isn't worth it. The point of this is that <laughs> there's so many shots of the, of the various buildings of Miami or weird beaches that it, it breaks up the action a lot. It's not like a couple of things here and there to be like, right. oh yeah, Le- we're Liam, in Miami. Liam, you know what I call a seminary? I call it a seminary. What do you think about that? What? <laughs> what's weird about that, Doug, is that when come you... On. When you, when ah, you come on! <laughs> what's weird about it is when you pronounce it that way, it makes it sound like semen. Mm-hmm. Oh, 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 Liam, I'm so sorry. No, I, I certainly I didn't mean to offend you in any way. No, that's great. I'm into it. That sounds awesome. Guys jizzing all over each other. M- Mike, before you mm. interrupt, uh, I need to get your <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> I need to get your thoughts on this episode of CSI. Now, before we started uh, recording about this, uh, you and I were discussing the great David Caruso. I feel like, from what we uh, were talking about, that you have a much uh, more positive opinion on him as an actor. Oh, well, um, I like cheese. Mm. Uh, Particularly, I like Famunda cheese, and uh, David Caruso is is one of my favorite types of Famunda cheese uh, that you can get um, from television. And I I feel like are we are we going to talk about our conversation that we had uh, before this? Because I feel like you said that there there was too much David Caruso, and I felt like I feel like there there was not enough David Caruso in this episode. I mean, uh, I feel like everyone has their own tolerance level when it comes to David Caruso. I feel like watching this episode, there's no question that he is the lead of the show, right? I mean, he's the guy who's steering everything. On our most recent episode, we talked about uh, the, the 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 reboot uh, version of Hawaii Five O, that television series, which very much is influenced by CSI and its and its framework. The episode that we watched was very much an ensemble episode but this one feels like david caruso is the captain he is the guy who has the conversation with eric roberts in jail he's the one who gets the last conversation at the very end before eric roberts manages to well we'll tell you about that in just a minute but yeah i feel i feel like maybe uh maybe i wanted a little less of david caruso maybe more of these supporting players though i say that now thinking about the supporting players and realizing that they're all very boring yeah, they're really bland on on this. You know, this was after Rory Cochran and Candy Alexander left the show, and they were uh, they were two actors that that I liked in those early years. Um, was Rory it Candy Alexander? I think Candy Alexander was on this episode, wasn't she? She's the. No, uh, she was not. Was she? Well, I believe she was. Wasn't she, Liam? I don't know who that is. She's the coroner, I believe, on this show, uh, or the you know she works uh, doing autopsies and shit. Oh, she she used to be on news radio. Do you remember that show, News Radio? I do remember News Radio. Who was she on News Radio? She was the woman who did not get a lot of funny stuff to do on it. <laughs> the super hot black chick. She's yeah, on I there. Would, I, she's on there for multiple shots, but it's like real. Like she just shows up for a couple. She like walks into a room, says two words, and walks back out. She is credited on this episode at the very least. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, it needed more Candy Alexander. <laughs> as long as there's less David Caruso, that's all I care. About. All right, guys. <laughs> hey, keep it together. The the let's talk about the twist uh, in this episode because I don't want to spend too much time on this because we have a lot to talk about regarding after school special. But the twist that we discover at the end of this episode 
is that Eric Roberts has I, is it his nephew the person that is out there? No, his Some, cousin. Cousin. Okay. So when uh, Eric Roberts did the murder that he got put away from, this cousin was at the scene and was actually supposed to participate in it in some sort of a killer ritual to get him kind of in the family business. But when it came down to it, he couldn't uh, axe murder. He uh, he just couldn't stomach it. So then Eric Roberts went to jail sort of thinking that his cousin was this big wuss. And in order to prove himself, his wussy cousin has been killing people and then sending him news articles about the killings to kind of prove that he's all that. Uh, and uh, basically he's trying to get a modicum of respect from uh, his uh, his um, his cousin. And then we find out at the very end that they catch the the cousin, they tell Eric Roberts, and uh, let me get one of you to describe what happens. Then I'm gonna, since you're our guest, Mike, what happens with Eric Roberts at the end of this episode? He's going to be killed by the state, but that doesn't happen. What does happen? Well, uh, Doug, he triggers his peanut allergy uh, mm-hmm. in in a in a, it, it's like a, it's like CSI Miami's seppuku, like a harakiri, <laughs> like yeah. He's he he needs to die with honor, so he triggers his peanut allergy, so he is not executed uh, by the state, the great state, the beautiful state of Florida. He uh, he orders a peanut butter sandwich or or a peanut butter and jelly as his final meal, knowing that he will die from his own allergy. I mean, really, it's it's uh, as you mentioned, it is like the the most honorable death for a serial killer. Um, Liam, when this was occurring on the television show, what did it make you think? Oh, as soon as he is, they were like, "Oh, we brought you your peanut butter and jelly." I was like, "Ah, oh, really? We're gonna we're gonna do the peanut allergy <laughs> thing? That's what we're gonna do right now?" And I just found myself thinking, like, when you're in prison and they know everything about you, how do they not know you have a peanut allergy? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I I, I just found that just a step too far for me that they were like, how are we supposed to know? Well, didn't they say like, he never told anybody? I guess. So we're supposed to believe the whole time he's in prison. No one's given him peanuts till now. Here's what, here's, here's the lesson I took away from it. Liam, when you inevitably go to prison, don't tell, don't tell anybody that you're diabetic. Okay. (laughs) That way, if you ever need to like, you know, put an end to things quickly, you can just like eat some pop rocks or something, and and away we go. That's the worst idea I think you've ever had. Yeah, well, let, uh, mull it over a little bit. Uh, the cast of CSI Miami, as we mentioned, it's a bit of a mixed bag. Uh, I felt like some of the C- other CSI shows have a little more, bit more charismatic characters. I didn't really care about the interplay and the drama that uh, seemed to uh, be in the background. Uh, Emily Proctor, who plays one of the leads, she has a very irritated, irritating accent. Did you find that, Liam? I didn't like it. I wouldn't. I don't know if I would go so far as to say irritating, but it, it was. I wasn't a fan. Well, I'll go that far. I'm going to say irritating. However, there are some uh, recognizable actors on this episode, uh, not counting, of course, one Mr. Eric Roberts. We get a brief appearance by Stephen Tobolowski, uh, uh, who I'm sure listeners of this show recognize. Mike, what is your favorite Stephen Tobolowski uh, uh, performance? Oh, easy, Mirror Mirror. Oh, I see. And Liam, back yeah. over to you. I want I want to get your favorite Stephen Tobolowski performance. I don't know. I don't have one off the top of my head. What about Ned Ryerson from Groundhog Day? Oh, and so is he a regular on this show, or is he? Uh, is this like a um, a guest? You know what I mean? Like, is he on the show all no, the time? No, he, he's not on the show. No, he's not on the show. He's never been on the show. <laughs> 
This is like the only time he's on. I have no idea. I, no. I I also have no idea, but he's not like a cast member. Of yeah, the show. well, he does play assistant state attorney Don Halfman. He he looked to me like the kind of uh, performance where he like pops up like a few times a season. Just that's to what I was like, gonna say. It seemed yeah. like he was it was uh, maybe a recurring character, but I don't know, maybe not. I um, mean, it's, it, that sounds like information I could easily find out if he just wanted to talk to for just another second or so. Yeah, uh, I mean, he, uh, he did indeed play this character on uh, one, two, three, four, five episodes of CSI Miami. This, I believe, is the final appearance by Stephen Toblowski on CSI Miami. I mean, so um, I don't he's a sort of actor who whenever I see him, I always think of Groundhog Day. So it's mm-hmm. kind of I feel almost bad about that because it's not like he hasn't been. In other things, like uh, I, I think he was in a uh, Memento, and I think Memento, he was right. in a. Uh, yeah, he's great. Uh, what else was he in? Um, Mirror, Mirror. Yeah, he was in Mirror. Right, Mirror. you said <laughs> you said that, but I don't even really know Mirror Mirror that well. <laughs> he was in Thelma, uh-huh. Thelma and Louise. Sure, he's in National Security. <laughs> he actually. <laughs> that's right. He was in National Security. Yeah, that's so Robert. ridiculous. Yeah. But he also, Stephen Soblowski, has his own podcast where he tells stories about his career. Uh, very interesting gentleman. And uh, I'm actually a little shocked, if not saddened, that you didn't already know that, Liam. Oh, you know what? He was in that I actually really liked. And I thought he was, I mean, he's in it briefly, but I like him in it. Is, uh, do you guys remember Love, Liza? No. Explain it to yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, yeah. the Philip Seymour Hoffman one? Yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman, 2002. I don't, I think it's, it's, um... Uh, I think it's Liza's Philip Seymour Hoffman's wife, and she commits suicide. So, mm-hmm. it, I mean, it's it's a dark movie, but it's kind of I don't know. It's got something to it that I really thought was awesome at the time. Anyway, well, here's here's something, to think. here's something that you'll find interesting. He, of course, appeared in Atlas Shrugged Part Three from the year 2014. They did a part <laughs> three. They did a part three. They made uh, the first one, and then I think they might have crowdfunded. The third one, which is ironic on so many levels, it kind of makes my head spin. <laughs> uh, and he also appeared on Justified, a TV show that I enjoy and we're going to have to watch at some point, Liam, because there's uh, Eric Roberts is on it. Oh, one, one of the semen, uh, Siemens. Wow, I'm I, my brain keeps going back there. <laughs> no, Stephen Tobolowski's great, though. Yeah, his uh, his podcast is really good. He's a great monologuist. He's yes, a, he's a theater performer, and uh, he was actually nice enough. Um, are are you friends on Twitter at all with the Screamcast guys? Yes, you know uh, Sean and Brad. Absolutely. He went on. He went on a uh, Sean show, the AXPX, the uh, the the religion based show. Yeah, oh, right, of course. Book. Yeah, yeah, to talk about his book, and he was actually nice enough. I I told Sean, I uh, I texted him. I said, if, if you fucking have him on, man, you have to hold him for like two extra minutes and talk about Mirror Mirror because we had just done a show on uh, on Mirror Mirror, and, and Sean and Stephen Jobolowski were nice enough to fucking derail their god conversation to talk about a fucking Karen Black movie from 1989. <laughs> it was good. Did you then yank that audio and put it on your own show? Please tell me that you did. Well, well, the show, the show in question is uh, is a mashup that we do of Screencast and the the Splat. Oh, that's so, right, of course. Yeah. <laughs> this uh, episode, by the way, also features W. Earl Brown from uh, from Deadwood. If you're familiar with that TV series, as well as Megan Follows, the original Anna Green Gables. Actually, not the original, but certainly the one that's most uh, um, people who grew up in the '80s is most are most familiar with, and also. Eric Roberts 
as a serial killer. Now, Liam, uh, this performance by Eric Roberts reminded me a little bit of his performance from the episode of Oz that he appeared in a few years previous to this. Uh, did, were you thinking of that performance when you saw him in CSI Miami? Yeah, and I was thinking just in general that he has a certain kind of um, uh, there's a there's a version of creep he does that kind of extends the draw out, and it, he's he's kind of um, he's slimy, but it, it, he's also kind of relaxed. You know right. what I mean? Like he's kind of laid back in his creepiness, and uh, so I, I, you know, yes, I thought of Oz, but I, I feel like we've watched other things where he kind of had a similar performance. Yeah, where he's kind of above it all, or he's like one step ahead, or at least he gives the impression that he's right. one step ahead of everyone else. Very different from kind of his fast talk, talking sleazeball type character. Right, uh, Mike. What did you think of Eric Roberts in this episode? Um. I, you, <laughs> you know, coupled with the, the, the next project we're going to talk about, I watched this one uh, second, and man, I thought Eric Roberts was like fucking an Academy Award winning actor in uh, in CSI Miami, uh, comparatively. Like, Jesus fucking Christ, the next movie is <laughs> is difficult. But I was like, oh, great. Yeah, he's finally a sleazeball, and he's going to jack off when he sees the fucking news reports that come in <laughs> about his cousin. Like... That, that makes fucking billiard tables. Like, I don't even, like, who fucking knows what's going on? But, um, but Eric Roberts was good. <laughs> well, that's all you have to say. Uh, Liam, what did you think? Did you think his performance was strong? He is playing kind of a Hannibal Lecter-ish character here. I mean, I actually think it was strong. I don't know that they, um, I don't know that they let him do much. I mean, he's in the cell. He sort of, sitting in various positions he's eating a peanut butter sandwich you know the the the, the only time he gets to do anything is the flashback uh scenes with him in the murder and even then he's not actually like uh doing much he's just sort of used kind of like incrementally you know just shots of him and then there's there's one extended flashback where he actually interacts with his cousin and right. and that's pretty good especially when he starts um Murdering the one woman, whatever. That's just him trying to be gross, but that's that was kind of <laughs> cool. Uh, but you know, uh, overall, he, it's not that he's not necessarily good, but I thought like he could have. It would have been fine for him to be in it more. Maybe if they just superimposed his character over David Caruso every time he's on screen. <laughs> I mean, it is nice to see him being treated like a featured player, like a star. Here, right? He I mean, looks really good. He looked yeah. really good. His arms looked awesome, and he had that Mac Davis hair in this yeah, particular I, episode. Like, I, I referred before, Mike, about uh, how we recently watched an episode of Hawaii Five-0. On that episode, Eric Roberts is very much a throwaway character. I mean, he basically is a briefly shown um, red herring, and then he just like he only shows up in the final twenty minutes, has basically one scene, and then vanishes. Very, very uh, unimpressive. Uh, uh, use of Eric Roberts, but here, you know, he we're given the Eric Roberts show as brief as it might be. But I do want to throw one question out to the both of you before I ask you whether Eric Roberts is the fucking man in this episode. Starting with you, Mike, if you are on death row and you are scheduled to be executed the next day, they will give you your last meal. If then that execution is stayed, if uh, if it then is rescheduled for another time, do you get? Another last meal. I want to hear your thoughts, Mike. Do we know for a fact that he ate, he ate his last meal before the day of execution? I, believe, I don't know that for I think they referred to the fact that he had before, but I mean, certainly if if you know, you get your last meal, I imagine the night before the the execution 
And uh, But, I mean, just tossing it out in a general sense, in the world, do you think you would get multiple last meals? Well, I, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you get another last meal. Because the stay of execution, that's like the, the proverbial reset button. And, uh, and it just makes it so you get another last meal. Sure. All right. Okay. Liam, what do you think? Yeah, definitely. I think anytime you're about to die, they can give you a little extra food. I mean, it's really not that impressive uh, unless your last meal is like a uh, like a blowfish or something else that's like difficult to make. I don't know that it's a big, you know, oh, so instead of the usual slop, we got to cook up a steak and add some asparagus like, you know, for, for the cost of your life, it's really not that much. Yeah, I get I can see what you're saying. I'm just curious about the situation. If you listeners uh, are involved in uh, uh, the business of executing people, which, by the way, I find morally reprehensible. <laughs> but if you're involved in that anyway, you know the answer to that question. Please let us know on, on our Twitter feed at ERITFM or email us on ericrobertsatdemand.com. But that does bring us to the very uh, topic of this podcast, the very title of the podcast. Is Eric Roberts the fucking man in CSI Miami's what? Uh, starting with our guest, Mike, is he the fucking man? Uh, if I am comparing this to our next project, he is—he <laughs> is goddamn Oscar himself. Yeah, he's the—he's the man. Sure. Is he Oscar himself, the character played by Sylvester Stallone in the classic John Landis movie? Liam, the fucking man, or no? I'm gonna have to go with yes. I think, mm. um, like I said, I think he's underutilized, but I think he is really doing it in this in this episode. He's really doing it. That's correct, Liam. Uh, I'm going to confirm what you said. I actually think I maybe enjoyed his performance a little bit more than the both of you. I think he brings a lot of charisma to it. He's, he's uh, Despite the fact that he gets very little screen time, he certainly has a presence. And I think he does nail that final ridiculous scene of him killing himself with a peanut butter sandwich. Boy, I'm going to refer to it again and again on this podcast. Killing yourself with a peanut butter sandwich. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. But now we need to take a break and we need to stretch our muscles and get a drink because when we return, we need to talk about the main event, 2017's After School Special. Join us. You're going to want to hear this right after this. Brothers, Danny, a wannabe entrepreneur, and AJ, an artistic dreamer, pull off an elaborate prank on the last day of school. Caught in the act, they're assigned to a summer mentor, lascivious bar owner Tyler LeVay. When Tyler enlists the boys to make a delivery to a private party, they unwittingly stumble upon an underground society hiding some very dirty secrets. After Tyler's own niece is taken captive, he turns to protégés Danny and AJ and former CIA agent Grandma Alice to stage one kick-ass rescue. It's 2017's After School Special, directed by Jared Cohen, who in 2016 alone directed a movie called Devil's Domain, a movie called Death Pool, 
one called Little Dead Riding Hood, one called Wishing for a Dream, one called The Horde, and one called Evil Nanny. So a uh, very prolific director, uh, Jared Cohn. He owns his own production company, I believe. And as you uh, referred to briefly at the beginning of the show, Mike, uh, this was presented to us as a sex comedy. Uh, and you know what? I can appreciate a good sex comedy. It looked, uh, according to the poster and the trailer, it looked very much like an American Pie-esque movie. You know, uh, boobs and weed and, you know, just getting up to no good. It even kind of starts that way, right? Because it starts in a school and there's a prank which involves a bunch yeah, of dildos. Like, like zapped. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. And just, you know, a good, dirty fun, that sort of thing. Then this movie takes a turn. And it takes a turn for the unpleasant. Like, the very unpleasant. And uh, despite my reputation as a bleeding heart, and Liam's reputation for as a socialist, right, Liam? Um, that I feel like that even if you are not as um, uh, as socially conscious, let's say, as the host of this program, that you will likely find something to be offended by, and not in a good way, by 2017's after-school special. But hey, that's just my feeling on the subject. I'm going to hold off on Mike for just a second since he forced us to watch this. I'm going to go over to you, Liam. What was your response to 2017's After School Special? Excellent. Just that. Just that. No, I mean, it's um, it's boring and it's stupid and it's offensive from top to bottom. Um, it not only is it offensive but it's also very poorly done like there no one on set had any concept of um comedic timing um uh, there's a lot of very strange editing that doesn't make any sense um the kids in it seem really confused about the movie that they're in and, and why they're in this movie uh there's a lot of like looking at the camera and making like a, a, a goofy face sort of humor, mm -hmm. which is like the lowest sort of the lowest rung you can be on anyway. Um, and there's actually one rung. There's actually one <laughs> rung lower, but we'll get to that in a little bit too. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, <laughs> that's true. That's true. And then it's all in service to a plot that is confusing and a general ethos, which is like, um, you know, we can make sexist jokes if the guy who says it then gets punched, then it's okay. It doesn't matter how fucked up what he said is because he someone poured a drink on him. It's cool. Mm. And it, it's that sort of ethics, the whole movie of this kind of, um, you know, racist joke here, um, heteronormative joke here, uh, various things, making fun of women, slut shaming, uh, uh, an entire plot having to do with pedophilia, uh, uh, y completely wasting what little talent is in this movie. It it's painful. It's it's not just <clears throat> it's not just bad in a way that could be entertaining. It's uh, bad in every conceivable way that I can think of, such that it might have replaced Dark Moon Rising as oh, my least favorite film wow. that we've ever had to watch. You know, it reminded me a bit, Liam. I can't, I believe you were you were co-host when we watched the movie uh, Chicks 
dig gay guys. Do you remember that movie? Yes. Oh, yeah. Jesus. And the level of humor and and some of the offensive com- uh, content reminded me very much of that movie, which was you know in the same realm of badness, except that one was very fixated on on the sexuality side of things. But here it's kind of free floating. And let let I think I'm going to repeat something that I may have said in that episode, which is if you are going to be offensive, then you better be funny. Because if you're not, you're just hanging out there being a dickhead. And everyone in this movie, I mean, to a man, everyone comes off badly. And, yeah. they, you know, and, and, and I hate to say it, but most of the people involved, if not everybody, should be a little embarrassed to be in this movie because it's really, really terrible and it's not funny at all. However, that's just Liam in my opinions. <laughs> and I just knocked a glass on the floor. <clears throat> that's just my opinion. Mike, what did you think? So sorry, guys. Look, I know you got the blood oath and you had to watch this anyway. I just, like maybe you should have saved this for like a throwaway episode towards the end of <laughs> the, the run of your your terrific podcast. But for episode, what is this? Fifty six. Mm-hmm. I feel like your show is as strong as it's ever been, and then now we we hit this this fucking movie, man. This this is a, a like a toxic piece of shit. Uh, it is not funny. There. Like, I didn't laugh at all. And the, actually, I did laugh one time. I laughed one time. I laughed because Nick Swartzton was the smartest person in this fucking cast <laughs> for keeping his name completely off of it. Because when that motherfucker shows up in the bathroom taking a shit, smoking weed, I like, I was like, oh, that guy looks like Nick Swartzton. But, mm-hmm. like, surely they would have used his fucking name all over the poster. No, that guy at least had the foresight to take his name off. Uh, off this project but and just to interrupt you one second mike i'm gonna say something that might blow both of your minds i think nick swarzen is the best part of this movie he's absolutely the best part of this movie i i, agree I can't with believe those words even just came out of my mouth but he's legitimately the only one that has any semblance of comic timing and i guarantee you he made up at least three quarters of his own dialogue yeah he made up his character's name on the spot i'm sure wake and bacon like what the <laughs> fuck is that shit <laughs> But please continue tearing this movie apart. No, man. Like, so I always, oh, so the movie fucking starts with seven minutes of logos. Like there's, like there's legit, I, I took a little tally here. I'm pointing at it. You can't see it because this is a podcast, not a fucking YouTube. But <laughs> like there, there were six animated logos for like all the production companies and all the smart fucking people that pulled together all their resources to create this shit. And like no one at any point said, Hey, maybe, maybe three and a half minutes into the movie, we shouldn't start getting super racist against our, uh, our Indian character. Or maybe four minutes into the movie, we shouldn't introduce pedophilia by having a teacher explain to his kids in, in the classroom that he fucks children at Chuck E. Cheese. Like, like this movie's insane, like with its uh, with its offensiveness. And to to your point, Doug, it's it's just not it's not funny. Like it's not it's not that offensive kind of funny that you know is is quaint now from like John Waters movies or you know with like freaks and misfits. Like this is fucking hate shit. Like I wrote down in in my notes, there's so many like words that come from. Uh, like Trump speech, you yeah. know, with people calling each other losers and like calling a group of people that has a lot of money, like exceptional or great, <laughs> you know, like are who, who's the, the main character, Danny? Is that the one that wants to be like the entrepreneur? Absolutely. That the, the movie fucking opens with him uh, slut shaming all the girls in the class with him, like 
shaming the 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 high school quarterback in in like a completely homophobic way mm-hmm. uh and then he's supposed to be our hero and then he walks out of the fucking classroom like he's goddamn Ferris Bueller and he walks like and he's orchestrating this MI6 fucking Mission Impossible thing with these what they call dick puppets but they're really just dildos i don't know why they didn't say dildos in the movie yeah. they kept calling them dick puppets and I, I didn't get what that was about, but it well, what it was was it was a bunch of slow motion shots of uh, of penises, dildos, so, no, sorry, dick puppets hitting, uh, hitting boys and girls in their faces. And um, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I'm just rambling, man, because I didn't know what the fuck was going on for like a while in this movie. Uh, do you want to talk about like the plot at all? Well, I mean, what the fuck are we gonna do? I will say that. I, uh, for lack of a better way to describe that, I lost the plot about three quarters of the way through to the point where all the action that happens once they get to the party at the very end, I didn't understand what the fuck was going on. I understood that the uh, our leads and uh, the guy who runs the club, who of course is an asshole for the entirety of the movie, they go to see his grandmother who then puts, because she's like a, a used to be an agent of some sort, she, she like trains them. So there's this completely unfunny montage and then they go to this party but i didn't really understand the 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 kidnapped niece part or how that all fit together it's like it just didn't make sense to me and it felt like like parts of the exposition were missing entirely probably because they just didn't give a shit but so the plot as it is is that it, it's very much a standard sex comedy there's it's very kind of it, it kind of bounces around from sequence to sequence and then at the end of it these Fucking idiots have to go to this party and uh, and rescue uh, someone who's been kidnapped for some sort of secret society slavery thing that they're doing. Some, it's a sacrifice, I guess. But it it feels so at odds with the tone of the rest of the movie that it uh, it 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 well for well it's already unfunny. So I guess you can't make it any more unfunny. But just when you think you can't, we uh, we get Eric Roberts and Ron Jeremy, which we'll get to in just a second. But first, I want to talk about some of the other recognizable names in this cast. This is not um, this is not a movie that features only unknowns in it. They're, they're, even though they may not be big stars, there are some recognizable names. Uh, we have Jason London in this uh, from Dazed and Confused, and of course that uh, season of the uh, uh, what was the what's the reality show we watched, Liam, with Eric Roberts? Oh, oh. Um... Dr. Drew's... Celebrity uh, Rehab. Celebrity Rehab, of course. So Jason London from that. As mm-hmm. I mentioned, Ron Jeremy. Uh, we have, of course, Mike's favorite, Caden Cross, is in the cast. We have <laughs> uh, we have David uh, Chokachi, uh, who I guess used to be on Baywatch. He he plays Vice Principal Chokachi, who actually references being on Baywatch in this. Uh, we have Matt Stryker, the former pro wrestler and uh, current commentator for Lucha Underground. He shows up at one point. Um, and we also, of course, have Eric Roberts. You know what? I, I can't, I'm not going to put it off. I'm, let's talk about Eric Roberts because I will say right off the bat, this might be the most disappointing Eric Roberts performance I've ever seen. And it's disappointing in a way that you may not expect it to be disappointing. Uh, Mike, I'm going to start with you. Could you just explain to us what is Eric Roberts doing in after school special? Okay. I've thought about this a little bit. Has Eric Roberts ever been on? I didn't. I didn't fucking. I, I thought about it, but I didn't think about it long enough to Google it. Has <laughs> Eric? Has Eric Roberts ever been on an episode of Entourage? Yes, he has. A very, Jesus a very fuck. memorable one. 
apparently. Really? And he played himself? I believe he did play himself, yes. Okay, what the fuck then? Because, like, what I thought he was doing was I thought maybe he was upset for never getting to do that that trope in, like, the mid-aughts uh, uh, television series where you play yourself and you play, like, an unlikable version of yourself and it's it's kind of ironic and, like, you're winking at the camera. And I was like, oh, he must have never been on an episode of Entourage where he got to play, like, a, like a douchebag or, like, a hoity-toity, you know, former Academy Award-nominated actor. But what he's doing in this movie is so fucking stupid and insane. He... <laughs> He's playing himself, right? That tracks. Mm-hmm. Or at least, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's credited as Eric Roberts, so yeah, he's playing himself. Mm-hmm. And he's playing himself in the most like flamboyantly cartoon caricature version of uh, of like a, a a male homosexual as you could possibly play. Like he's doing he's doing the voice, he's doing the the big sweeping mannerisms. He's everything's like a fucking cock talk, and he's, yeah. He references like uh, like fucking little kids and shit. Like it's so insane, and there like he never breaks it, and he's Eric Roberts the entire time, and he he's taking part in like super <laughs> super like fucked up activities with Ron Jeremy, who's also just playing Ron Jeremy. Yeah, uh, apparently, uh, and I mean I explained it right. Isn't that just what he's doing? Yeah, he's huh. playing like a. Swishy... I don't really have anything else to say. Like it's fucked up. He's playing like a, a Paul Lind type homosexual stereotype turned up to eleven or twelve. He's this, yeah, being yeah, this yeah. swishy, exaggerated caricature of a, of a of a homosexual that is. I mean, it went out of favor in the late seventies, and here it it when he waltzed onto the frame and when he's introduced it's very much like immediately he's like oh my what's go-? like he's he's just doing the voice and Dude, doing you're the mannerisms right. you're right on it's like fucking paul lind as like the mad hatter in like a porn version of, in, in like bill osco's version of alice in wonderland where it's like, <laughs> where it's like oh it's a very unfortunate <laughs> cock in your ass i'm eric Roberts. <laughs> Eric Roberts is the fucking man because I'm fucking a man. Oh, Mike. <laughs> Mike, that is better than anything in this movie. I can tell you that much. Uh, but it's, it is so unpleasant to see and also completely unnecessary. Yes, at, in this final scene, I guess the idea is that this, this secret society is mostly composed of gay men. Like that's what they, we're supposed to think. Um, I guess so. I guess Ron Jeremy is gay, even though there's a bunch of topless women. Anyway, I don't really understand what the fuck is supposed to be going on. And and Eric Roberts plays the, like the the most embarrassing uh, 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 stereotypes of what a gay man should look like in that in that capacity. Liam, were you going to say something? Do you think this celebrity party is like a PizzaGate reference? Now you did mention that off air before. This movie is from 2017. So there is potential there. Can you elaborate on how that might fit together, Liam? Well, so the um, – I mean I, I'm not deep into the dark web on this thing. But the idea of Pizzagate was that uh, Hillary Clinton and a number of other Democrats are part of this like pedophile sort of ring. Like as, as, as if, as if um, Bill Clinton's uh, already sort of nefarious sexual activities were not enough. 
those were just the tip of the iceberg and all these liberals are actually pedophiles and then um somehow it all got tied to this one pizza place that if you went to this pizza place you would encounter this child slavery sex slavery ring and there's a lot in this movie i mean as um mike pointed out with all the trumpisms it just made me think now now i i feel like this is sort of what makes this movie kind of nefarious is that it plays off all these Trump related, let's just say the current crop of conservative stereotypes. It plays off of them, but then it also tries to counterplay them. Like I think you could tell someone in this movie that you're caricaturing them in some way that you're not like actually supporting them. And, and until they saw the movie, they maybe they could buy that as a real thing, but the movie is not actually caricaturing them at all. It, 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 maybe it wants you to think it is, but it's, it's really, I think playing into all those things. And this is part of that, that, that behind the scenes, there's this, um, group of rich folks who are using children for sex. Now, some of them, are gay and some of them aren't i don't think i don't think everyone who's there is is homosexual but i think they're doing this thing where they're conflating it all together so whether you want a male or female sex slave you all want these things because you're just you know rich entitled people who run the scene you're it's sort of the assumption that like all of the rich and powerful are these sexual deviant types yeah yeah it's yeah i mean again there's a lot of implication there now someone might defend the presentation of homosexuality in this by saying that one of the lead characters, uh, AJ, is revealed that, in, in fact, it's strongly hinted at before it's ever revealed, that he's gay. And in fact, in one notable scene, he calls like a, uh, a gay phone sex line and ends up talking to someone who gives him a lot of really good uh, information. I have a question for you that you might not be able to answer, Liam, and maybe it's because I wasn't paying close enough attention at the end of this movie, his family accepts him. He's afraid to tell his parents. His adopt- he's adopted. He's East Indian. But he's afraid that his parents aren't going to understand. We, of course, uh, discover that his parents are into some freaky shit, dressing like animals and whatnot. Anyway, in the very last scene, they're all together and, you know, they've accepted him and his lifestyle. Um, actually, I shouldn't say lifestyle as if that suggests that, that there's choice involved. But anyway, they have accepted him. And then they bring out a guy for him. Is that guy supposed to be the guy from the sex line? It, it it was similarly unclear to me. They definitely bring out a guy for him that the way they handle that scene, they this is a guy for him to enjoy having sex with. Yeah. Like you know what I mean? It, like they don't So sorry, I think Mike might be able to elaborate. Mike, could you tell us what's going on? No, I I I'm confused as well. I thought it was maybe the hot cop from the party. Remember there was like a like a oh, stripper sure, cop? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, no, he's definitely just like a a, a, a sex boy. Yeah. For, uh, for yeah. But when I you mean, come I, out when you come out of the closet, your parents get you another man to have sex with. That's how it works. I do think, in the context of their diseased brains that made this, that the, that they're uh, that they think that they are well-meaning in how they presented this. That they think, well, it's okay that we played into these awful stereotypes. Because in the end, our lead character, who we uh, have shown to be very sympathetic, he's also gay. But look, he doesn't envelop all of these stereotypes. So, you know, we show both sides of it. But what it really suggests is is that some of the more unpleasant um, ways that some people see homosexuals, that that's true as well as this side. 
All right. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't balance it out. All it does is show extremes. It's, it's really, it, it makes me feel like the people who made this think they're a lot smarter and savvy than they are when watching it. All I felt was dirty afterwards. I felt like the, these are people who their politics is completely the opposite of my own. Um, it, not that, you know, again, not that I got so much political out of it, but their, their attitudes just seem like stone age. So, so Mike, I do want to thank you for forcing us to watch After School Special. <laughs> also, does anyone ever smoke any pot in this movie? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. They smoke pot. Remember, there's the uh, the scene with the uh, the medicinal marijuana. Oh, that's right. The cop right. comes up, and, and yeah, that's, that's it, though. Because <laughs> like they have pot leaves all over the <laughs> yeah, poster. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was going to be like a Harold and Kumar thing. Um, and, and, and by the way, if you just, just because we don't necessarily want people to accidentally run into after school special, it's also known by the title schools out. So, uh, so, so, and, and, and again, the, the, the tagline for the movie is education just got higher and it shows one of them with a big wad of money and one of them with a big joint. So it's totally misrepresenting what this movie is, uh, which is just a piece of fucking garbage. Uh, I, I have a title for it. Please. Eyes wide, shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm into that. <laughs> so that's after school special, but we can't finish it off properly without asking a very depressing question. Starting no, a- no, no, he's not. Don't even ask the fucking question. You skip I, this segment, Doug. Doug. I have, I have, Doug. I have to ask the question. <sighs> Starting with you, Liam. Is Eric Roberts the fucking man in After School Special from 2017? No. It hurts to hear, but it's... I mean, just... I mean, we've said this... I've said this before. Occasionally, he's not the man, uh, first and foremost, because I had to watch the, this trashy thing. Right. And so, like, this is where that... that It starts there. But then, not only that, to pick this particular performance, and I get... That it's supposed to be goofy and funny, whatever, and then maybe in his mind that's how he saw it, but it's not that. It's not funny. It's not a good time. There's no fun to be had. Everything about this is awful. He actively contributes to making this movie worse, which is might be something that I've never said before on Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Mike, just let me know. Is he the fucking man? No. No, he's not. Eric Roberts is not the fucking man. An after-school special from the year 2017, a very distressing movie. Uh, shame on you, everyone involved with it. I, I, I feel like a bit of a tool even saying that, but come on, folks. Let's, 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 let's do better. Everyone involved, let's just do better from now on. We'll put this to the side. We'll call it an accident. Nobody see it. Dig it deep and put it in the ground and never talk about it again. Everybody, please do better than 2017's after school special. But the good news is we've seen it. So we never have to watch it again. We need to take our final break. When we return, we're going to talk to Mike. We're going to say our goodbyes and plug a few things. Join us after this. Hello.
Episode number 56 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man is in the bag, and I want to give a huge thank you, despite the fact that he forced us to watch After School Special, which is water under the bridge already. I want to give a huge thank you to Mike Delaney. Uh, he is uh, the host of one of the uh, best podcasts that are out there. It's called The Splat House. You should check it out right now. But, uh, Mike, where else can people find you on the internet? Uh, I'm on Twitter at uh, Mike D underscore Splat. We're also on uh, Twitter uh, for the, the, the our podcast itself, uh, at Splathouse PR. We're at uh, splathouse.com, and that has information on uh, a film we're working on right now called Blue Caveman, which uh, which should be finished um, in the uh, the second quarter of next year. Um, yeah, I mean we're we're all over the place. Just uh, just Google Splathouse or Mike Delaney, and you'll all come up. Mike, tell us about this Blue Caveman. Hmm. So uh, Splathouse Productions. What we typically do, or how we started, I should say, is uh, we would do stage uh, film hybrid adaptations of uh, some of our favorite drive-in movies. Uh, we've done The Sadist, Plan 9 from Outer Space, Ega, um, and then we decided to start the, uh, the podcast a couple years down the road to, uh, to focus on some of these uh, great films that we love and to, to talk to the people that made them. Um, but what we decided to do last year was we wanted to do our first original production, which, uh, is inspired by Ega and also, uh, Ted V. Michaels is, uh, the girl in gold boots. Mm. And we, we wrote uh, a comedy called blue caveman, which is a, a story about, um, some star crossed lovers, um, <laughs> that bond over, that bond over their shared love of, uh, of music and rock and roll. And they're making their way. Uh, down to Southern California for fame and fortune, and they're derailed um, by a by a caveman uh, who has a uh, who has a cosmic, uh, mysterious background, and and then uh, yeah, and the craziness ensues. I don't want to give away too much right now because <laughs> I haven't said too much. But it's a uh, it's a musical, it's a horror movie, it's a it's a comedy, a little bit of everything. Well, we're all going to check out Blue Caveman when it is complete and when more information is available. You know, Mike, it's not too late to get Eric Roberts in that cast. Uh, no, it's not. Um, <laughs> I'm actually trying to whip up the extra $250 uh, right now. I'm okay. with uh, Miss Sarah Quakendall at the Splat House, and she's on the horn with uh, his people, and it's about 250 to get, him to, uh, mm-hmm, to get him to do two lines of dialogue. All right, let's crowdfund it. Let's let's get him in there, folks. Do we, it. Uh, get, follow Mike. Give him the money. T- uh, tell him it, it came from me. <laughs> do that, please. Uh, and, of course, we'll keep our uh, eyes out for Blue Caveman, and we'll keep our ears out for the Splat House podcast, which everyone should check out ASAP. Liam, how are you doing, yeah, bro? Yes. Yeah, I'm how are good. you? How are you? What? 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 What are you doing on the internet? I see you around there. I just, I'm confused. I don't know what you're up to. You have Cinna Punks. What's this? What is it? It's nothing. Don't even worry about it. It's All right, fine. moving on. I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Cinepunks is, uh, a, a, let's say at this point, it's a general film website that features both writing and a number of podcast endeavors as well. Like what are those podcasts? Let's just let's just run them down quickly. Well, um, there's the mandate, uh, a, a pretty regular film review uh, podcast where two folks go 
directly to the movie, record in the theater before and after the film to get sort of an immediate response. Right. And most of the movies that they see are are they see them kind of in advance. So sure. if if we get better at editing them, they should be up before the movie's out. <laughs> Uh, and then there's a um, short story podcast called Black Sun Dispatches Uh, the guy who runs that uh, Brendan Foley he uh, has kind of created a a world a a sort of uh, a fictional place in which he's setting a number of stories and doing a lot of really interesting world building and uh, drawing from a lot of different sources and it's really good and uh, let's see what else we have oh Got Me a Movie is a a, uh, uh, Andrew Bargeron and uh, LB uh, couple. Uh, LB writes for the site, and they both have a podcast called Vincent Price's Laugh. Uh, but Got Me Movies, like sort of like Vincent Price's Laugh, like the same dynamic. But instead of only focusing on horror movies, they review whatever. And the most recent episode, they did Tank Girl and um, The Legend of Billie Jean. And it was really Woo-hoo. great. I, I forget how much I love The Legend of Billie Jean. And it's uh, listening to it, I got kind of emotional about it uh and then we have our regular stuff we've had for a while uh cinepunks horror business uh loud fast philly you know stuff so you go over to cinepunks.com or you can follow liam you're on twitter as well i am at liam rules r-u-l-z well that's all excellent uh liam you can of course find more about the eric roberts is the fucking man podcast at E-R-I-T-F-M on Twitter or go over to ericrobertsistheman.com. Why not subscribe to us on iTunes? Why don't you leave us a review while you're at it? As I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, T-shirts will be available on the website very soon. You can also join our Facebook group. Why don't you recommend some Eric Roberts projects for us to watch? There's still lots left, folks. There is still lots left. And there's always good conversation happening over there. You can also find me myself, Doug Tilly, on Twitter. I am at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L E-Y. You can also check out my other podcast, No Budget Nightmares, which I do with Mo Porn over at NoBudgetPodcast.com. Also on Twitter at NoBudgetPodcast. But with that said, we are going to take our leave of the Eric Roberts projects from this episode. We're going to say goodbye to After School Special forever. Tomorrow's another day. Tomorrow's another day full of Eric Roberts goodness. We're going to close up the Eric Roberts bag. In two weeks, we will return with two more Eric Roberts classics. But until then, good night, everybody. You good can night, say Doug. Good night. Yeah, that's good. Single exhale. Yeah.